This morning, I want to talk to you about holding on to your prophetic moments, holding on to prophetic moments. If you're taking notes and you might want to write that down, I think it's up there. Uh, how many of you like uh, the, the PowerPoint presentation? I'd like to say I did it. I sent Geordie my PowerPoint presentation and then somehow it got changed, but I'm glad it got changed. So holding on to prophetic moments. And the reason I haven't, I haven't termed it holding on to prophetic words is because I believe the dimension of the prophetic is bigger than we understand. Sometimes we limit it because we, we put boundaries around it and we think it's only got to do with words. And today I want to just expand that thought about holding on to prophetic moments. You know, Moses had a prophetic moment, as we read in Genesis, when he came to the burning bush. Uh, you know, prophetic moments are when the presence of God and his purpose encounter your life. How many of you have had those, those moments? And they don't just happen once. They happen through the journey of your life for a reason. Uh, Joseph had an incredible prophetic moment when he had two dreams. And these prophetic moments held him, um, particularly when he went through 13 years of reversal, when it looked like what God had actually given him in a dream seemed to go in a reversal and seemed like this was going to be impossible to fulfill the purpose of God. David had a prophetic moment when he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. The apostle Paul had a prophetic moment that totally ratified and changed his life on the road to Damascus. You know, Pastor Charles, um, you know, in 2013, I'm pretty sure, I'm not exactly sure of my dates. I think it was in 2013 when this church had only been going, I think, one year under my leadership. And, and I remember him being invited to the Revolution Tour, which was in New Zealand. And um, I think he went, his basic job was to take care of Reggie Dabbs. And, um, you know, the great evangelist. And, you know, Pastor Charles is an evangelist. How many of you know that? He, he actually, if, if you do a, a, a um, gifting, um, you know, thing on his life, you'll see that there's an apostolic... There's that prophetic, but there's an evangelist in his heart. Actually, I've noticed with him, when you have evangelists come in here, he gets really emotional because something is pulling in his heart. And while he went there, he had a prophetic moment. So much so that when he came back, he landed back from New Zealand on a Saturday. And I'll never forget, he, he was like, I've got to see you. I've got to see you. And he came to see me and he said to me, Pastor Nick, you've got to let me speak tomorrow at church. He said, God spoke to me. We've, we've got to do the same sort of thing. We've got to reach a generation of young people. He was so excited. Guess what I said? I said, no. There's <laughs> a reason why I said that. I said, Charles, you're very excited. And I know God has spoken, but I want you to sit on it for a week because we're going to leave it for a week. You know, he couldn't contain what was in his spirit because he had had a prophetic moment. He'd had an encounter with the presence of God and the purpose of God that stirred his spirit. He saw something in the spirit. I'll never forget that next Sunday. I said to my wife as we were going to church, I said, we need to write out a check 
because I believe God is going to launch something today through what God has done in Charles's heart. Hope Tour is not just a good idea. Hope Tour was not birthed just because, well, they're doing it in New Zealand. Hope Tour was birthed because Pastor Charles had a prophetic moment where the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he sensed the presence of God. How many of you know that? Now, you know, it's now nearly been 10 years. When it started, it was just locally. What you're seeing today is when God speaks, he multiplies. And he's multiplying. What we're now seeing is, is not just we've seen the birthing of it, but we're seeing the manifestation of the purpose of God now reaching other states. Could it be one day that it will go international? Hey, could it be one day that it could go international? Who knows what God... There's something amazing happening, I, you know, in the connection... Um, around Australia, I just my wife and I were in in the UK in um, in, in March, and uh, you know we we spoke at the National Apostolic Convention um, conference, and you know I believe there's a link. Wouldn't it be amazing if Hope Tour ended up in the UK? Wouldn't it be amazing if the Hope Tour ended up in Italy? Hey, we got some connections, you know. <laughs> And, um, but let me say this, in his journey, why, are, why is it important to hold on to prophetic moments and prophetic words? It's important because many times in the journey of fulfilling the purpose of God, there's doubt and there's fear and there's challenges. There's storms that you come across. Some of you might not know this, but in the last nine years, I know on certain occasions, Pastor Charles has rung me and said, do you know, I don't know, I, I, I think this year's the last year. He said that a few years ago. When COVID hit, he said, man, I don't know where this thing's going. You know, Pastor Nick, I've, I've just lost a speaker. But you know what? The reason God gives us those prophetic moments is so that we hold on because it ignites faith in us and we can use those prophetic moments to launch what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Come on, can you give God a hand of praise for that today? And I want to encourage you today because every one of you here is on a journey, not just to fulfill the purpose of God, but because there are challenges in our life today that we all face. And those prophetic encounters those prophetic moments are so powerful because there's a purpose that God gives them to us. And I want to just use this passage of scripture just to launch these principles this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 118. If you have a Bible, if you could turn to 1 Timothy 118, I think it's up on the screen, which I'm so thankful for. It says this, and this is the Apostle Paul, the sp Timothy's spiritual father. Timothy has done a few journeys, a few crusades with Paul, but now Paul has put him in charge or overseeing a church called Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was a great church. The problem with the church of Ephesus is that it did have uh, some challenges because they were teaching false doctrine and incorrect doctrines and, and they'd lost their first love if you actually read Revelations chapter 2 that they were God, you know, in, in the angel of the Lord encouraged them about their great work, but they'd lost their first love. There was also a bit of a self-righteous and independent spirit. And Timothy was 
a young man. And 1 Timothy 1.18, here's, here's Paul, his spiritual father, prophesying over him and saying this to him, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. You know, Timothy had received various prophecies. If you actually read 1 Timothy chapter 4 or 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 4, you will see some of the prophecies that were spoken over him. These were God encounters. These were prophetic moments that uh, were spoken over him. And now the Apostle Paul is saying, now listen, Timothy, I want to remind you about them. I want you to hold on. Let me give you two very, very quick uh, prophecies that were given to him. The first one is in 1 Timothy 4.12. It says this, and I imagine Timothy was a young man given a huge task. And it says, do not let anyone look down on your youth because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in, con in, in, uh, in conduct of love and purity. Do you know, I wonder how many times Timothy would have felt overwhelmed and would have gone to God and go, God, I'm too young for this. I've got people that are way older than me and they've got way more experience and way more wisdom. But I think this prophecy was one that held him fast. He remembered this prophecy and it helped him to, to fight against the doubt and the unbelief. Do you know, David, when he killed the giant Goliath, he was told the same thing. You're too young to kill this giant. And isn't it important to hold on to prophetic moments and prophetic prophecies? Do you know, can I say the principle is also true because let me say the call of God does not discriminate in age. I want to say that to some of you older people. And I'm going to put myself in that category right now, if that's all right. I've got a seniors card, all right? Just so you, if you don't know, I think I've told you this story before. Me and Pastor Tim Jack, who knows Pastor Tim Jack? He was the national leader. He's 66, I'm 64. And a couple of years ago, we went to, to the movies and uh, we went to see the, the last episode of Daniel Craig's, you know, 007. And we flashed out our senior cards. I think we got $4 off. Isn't that amazing? I felt ripped off because halfway through it I fell asleep. You know what I mean? It's just... But those of you, it's so true. Don't look down on your age just because you're old. Some of you think sometimes as we get older and we get these senior cards and society tells you you're done. Who tells you you're done? You know, God's... I've had prophecies over my life and I tell you they're still unfolding. They're still unfolding. I don't know if you've heard of Andrew Evans, who was the national leader of the AOG for years and years and years. And his father, at the age, listen to this, at the age of 93, God spoke to him to start a church. You don't do that at the age of 93, unless you've had prophetic encounters with God and moments. And he started a church which is still going today. Now, let me tell you this. He didn't go out and do everything and set up chairs and everything like that. Andrew gave him a team, but he started a church. And I want to encourage you, some of you here today that are feeling like, oh, gee, you know, it's getting a little bit harder to get out of bed. Who knows what I'm talking about? I mean, I watched the footy last night. I pulled a hamstring just as I was watching it, you know. 
You might be getting older, but let me tell you God's word, his, his word that he's spoken to you. He's faithful. It's never the end. And I want to encourage you because sometimes I think what's true about the young is also true about that. We need each other. How many of you know that? We, we, live in a, we live in a society that's trying to divide generations. But like never before, the church needs to celebrate generations. There's five generations on the earth at the moment. And we need to celebrate every single generation. I was so thrilled to see all these, these little kiddies. Man, they're growing up fast. They're part of the next generation. But can I say this? For some of you that are in your 70s and 80s, you have, and 90s, you've got a contribution to make in the kingdom of God. Don't despise the ages that's God. And you've got to hold on to those prophetic moments that God has spoken to you. This other, the other one that was given to him is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, where Paul reminds Timothy of his mother Eunice and his grandmother's Lois's great faith. He says, draw on your past generation, your mother and your grandmother. Do you know, you know, I joke about my mother, but my mother's got great faith. She's got incredible faith. She still witnesses. She still, you know, this is, this is the culture she has built in this care home. I mean, she drives everybody crazy because I tell you what, I've been in there when they have to make her bed and she's, the, she's old school. Like, if they don't tuck her, her sheets in properly... And if the pillowcase of the pillow is facing the door, she, she loses the plot. She worked in a hospital. Do you know? But this is what she says to every care worker, I love you. And I thought it was just a gimmick or whatever, but do you know every single person that comes and helps her Mum says, I love you. They all say, I love you back. That's something that's, that's shifted. And so God, there's something that I know my mother has, in, because of her faith, something ignited in my faith. But this is, the, this is the scripture. Listen to the prophetic word that was given to him. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I wonder in the journey of Timothy as a leader, as he must have been confronted with some very, very difficult issues where he must have felt, he was a timid person. If you read about his character, Timothy was actually a timid person. He suffered with anxiety and with fear. But I reckon there was times that he went back to this prophetic encounter, this prophetic moment that absolutely gave him faith. Because I don't know about you, but if you've ever suffered with fear, with when fear has come over you, it does make you feel powerless it makes you feel insecure it makes you feel like you're losing your mind and I think you know that Timothy went through those things but I think he would have referred to this prophetic moment to this prophetic scripture and he would have said in the face of it he would have said I'm going to do warfare I'm going to fight with what God has given me for God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power and of a sound mind come on give God praise here today and how many of you Come on, let's be honest. How many of you have drawn on that scripture? Gee, I have. Man, I tell you, there's been times that I've been through a storm. I've been through situations and I've thought to myself, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I've drawn on the word of God. Let's just look very, very quickly 
four things that I want to draw from this scripture very, very quickly. Number one, God uses people to speak to you on his behalf. Aren't you glad about that? You know, there's there's a song by Bette Midler that said that God, from a distance, God is watching us. Let me tell you, that's that's the furthest lie out. Aren't you glad that we're co-workers? I'm so glad that God has used people to speak into my life. And not just leaders, sometimes friends that have come and have encouraged me with the purpose of God. I was 28 years old when I received, you know, there's been two incredible significant prophecies over my life. I've had many along the journey of my life. But one of them was by a guy called David McCracken. Many of you will know him. He's a great prophet. And I remember Meredith and I were youth pastors. And um, he pulled us out of the crowd, both of us. Now, I was, I, I, I couldn't even remember the prophecy. I just remembered this word, it's going to be an adventure. That's about all I remembered. Um, but um, after I, I, you know, I went to hear it again. This is how old it was, 28 years ago. That's 36 years ago, right? I was 28. Um, it's on tape. It's not even on CD. It's on tape. That's how old it is, you know, and I have to... You know, thank God we've got a tape recorder because I listen to it. When I listen to it today, I still get overwhelmed because those words carry spirit. Your words are spirit. That's why the Bible says they'll either bring life or they'll bring death. And I remember him prophesying, and as we look back over our life, it's like this unfolding prophecy. And, um, you know, he said, this is what you're going to do. I was 28 years old. I really did not know much about anything. He said, you're going to go into places that are dry, that are broken. God's going to use you to restore them. You're going to raise them up, and you're going to release them. He says, that's going to be your whole life. He said, you're going to do that. You know, God will do it in seasons. And you're going to continue to do it. You know, as I look at that prophecy, there's been time in the middle of it. I'm going, God, what the heck are you doing? But it's been unfolding. It has been one of those moments, those prophetic moments, that I've, every time I remember it, it gives me faith. It ignites faith in my heart. Another one was by Vicki Simpson. And, you know, and we've got this one written down. It's two pages. Can I say this? Keep your prophetic those prophetic utterances, keep those prophetic moments because they will hold, you will be able to hold on to them and get through the journey that God has. Here's the second thing. These prophecies are given to you. I think it's up there. Yeah, these prophecies are given to you to encourage and strengthen you along your journey. How many of you know, how many of you want to be encouraged? How many of you want to be strengthened? How many of you want to be comforted? Man, I, I tell you, there's, there's nothing like those prophetic encounters that encourage and strengthen and give us comfort. They're there to guide you. They're there to give you hope and a future. They're there to give you insight, understanding and strategy. They're there to do warfare when you come to storms and crisis. Every call of God, every time you're trying to pursue the purpose of God, you're going to come into a storm. You're going to come through crisis. You're going to come through what I call the dark night of the soul. Where sometimes it looks like, man, everything is going in a reversal. But can I say this to you? That if you hold on to those prophetic moments, God will get you through. He'll get you through. The third thing is these, the, the purpose. And this is why the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, I want to remind you about these prophetic 
prophetic moments that you've had because they ignite faith. They ignite faith in you so that you can hold on and fight by faith through the storms and crisis of life so you can fight and do warfare. You know, I could tell you so many stories about people that have literally held on to the promises and the prophetic moments of their life. You know, I've been so blessed um, in my ministry time to have some great PAs. I've really, really been blessed. Uh, Jan, who's just walked out, and I don't know why she's walked out, but she's she's probably gone to get me a cup of tea. Who knows what she's gone to do? I've been so blessed to have some incredible PAs. And one of the PAs I had when we were in a church... Um, there was about 3,000 people. I was actually a campus pastor and, and our campus was about 1,200 people. Um, my PA, her name was Rebecca, and her husband, his name was Tim, he was my assistant and Beck was my PA. P- you know, Beck was an outstanding PA because we used to actually work on Mondays. We used to take a, a midweek day off. But Beck would get there early in the mornings on a Monday morning and she would have made scones. And um, look, there's, you know, it's, it's a way to get to, to, to us. But, and you'd, you'd walk into the office, she'd come in early and you'd walk into the office and the coffee would be brewing. How many of you love the smell of coffee? Man, oh man. And there'd be the scones and you knew it was going to be a feast, you know. It's like, don't have breakfast because this is what she was like. She would think ahead. And um, I was so blessed to have her husband, Tim, as my assistant and Beck as my PA. But as their journey went on as a married couple, they realised they could not have children. Now, there's something that's very difficult for a couple that can't have children, particularly when their friends are having children and when they're asked to do the baby dedications. You know how difficult it is? And I remember whenever they would get asked to do baby dedications, I'd say to our team, you know, just privately, I'd say, guys, just be sensitive this week because they're going to feel this. And, uh, you know, I remember them rejoicing with their friends and it was a, a sweet, bitter moment because they were carrying the pain of the fact that they could not have children. This went on for quite a few years. We had a doctor in our church and I said to them, look, why don't you get all your medical checkups? Why don't you get all your... And why don't you go and, and find out what the reality is? They went to have their checkup and, um, you know, they came back and I said, can I talk to your doctor? And the doctor said, look, bar a miracle... These two are not going to have children. Now, here's the thing. Let let me fast track this. About six months after this happened, six to eight months after this happened, they made an appointment to see me. And um, it was strange for them to make an appointment to see me because they had access to me all the time. You know, Beck, she would just, she could come and see me anytime, same with Tim, but they both made an appointment to see me and I was like, gee, I wonder what's up. And when they came to see me, there was this, this sort of tension in the air where there was this incredible excitement and at the same time this incredible um, 
just anticipation. So I couldn't read what was going on. And they sat down and they started crying and saying, Pastor Nick, you're not going to believe this, but we are pregnant. Now, you know what? I tell you, for the first 10 minutes, we were hugging, jumping up and down. And then it hit me. I thought, oh, no, I'm going to lose her as a PA. <laughs> What's going to happen to the scones? What's going to happen to my coffee in the morning? I mean, you know, I'm Italian. I'm selfish. And then I said, you know, we, we were crying and hugging. And I said, what, what, how did this happen? She said, Pastor Nick, after we got that final judgment, I remembered as a teenager that someone prophesied over me that I was going to make, be a great mum. Someone prophesied over me that we were going to be blessed with children. You know, the amazing thing is, and, and she said, and so what I did is I went back to those prophetic moments. And I held on to them. She said, and I started to ignite my faith. Now, I've never heard about this. She said, I started a faith draw. I said, what's a faith draw? She said, I had this drawer at home and I started buying baby clothes for my child that was going to be a miracle. And see, see what happened is she ignited faith in her heart and she revisited those prophetic moments and it ignited faith and she did warfare in the spirit. You know, a couple of Sundays after, I got them to do communion together and uh, to tell the church because the church had been praying you know, the amazing thing is they couldn't even get the words out of their mouth, but the church knew what was happening. And the church just erupted. Everybody just got up and began to applaud the great grace of God and the power of God. But this incredible faith that this couple had to hold on to their prophetic promises. And I want to just encourage you today, you know, it's so important for us to understand because the next point is this very quickly. It says, don't reject prophetic promises. You know, Paul says, says to Timothy, Timothy, some people have shipwrecked their faith. They've actually shipwrecked the purpose of God on their life because they've taken their eyes, their focus on what God has said and they've got caught up with situations. They've become cynical. Do you know, Sarah, when you read it in Genesis chapter 18, verse 12, Sarah, when she had a visitation and a prophetic moment, she started to laugh and say, how can my body, how can I have a child? And you know what? She couldn't hold on and she went to plan B. Friends, let me tell you this. Hold on to your prophetic moments. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and he wants to fulfill what he has ordained. Some of you might not know this, but when we built this building, it was in 2013, 2014, when we were going through the process of this. And I'll never forget that, um, you know, and I've told you this story before. We came out of uh, Degani's, which is now closed, by the way. We're still here. We're going to be here for a long time. Planting churches. Seeing the word of God spread. And um, I'll never forget walking out, with, I was with Pastor Joe and he said to me, where do you want to build this wedding? I had the, this building. And I said to Pastor Joe, I had this prophetic moment just under the veranda as you go into the shopping centre there. And I looked at this plot of land, I just felt the Holy Spirit say there and I pointed and said there. And so we bought the land. 
under the developer. Well, actually, not under the developer, but under the person who owned this land, who built this building. And I said to him, isn't there a covenant that says we can't build churches here? There was, there was 12 things you weren't allowed to build. One of them was a church. I won't tell you the other 11. One of them was really right out there. I was thinking, you've got to be joking. And he said, don't worry yet. We've sorted that out with the developers. We're all good. We bought the land. We, we did the architectural drawings. The land cost us $1.5 million. The architectural drawings cost us 125. We were committed. We were in. And then right in the middle of that, I got a phone call saying, listen, you need to come in. We've, we've made a huge mistake. Uh, the, the developer, just as we you know, got you on this journey, have now moved out. And so we have to now, the covenants come back in. He said, you have to now make a decision because I don't think we're going to be able to pass this. How many of you know when you're leading a church, you've bought land $1.5 million, it's now being told it's a white elephant, you've got architectural drawings. I tell you, you know, with our elders, I went through a week, you want to talk about the dark night of the soul, I'm thinking, God, what do I do? I was in a place of absolute turmoil. You want to talk about a spirit of fear? My mind is going, you've come all the way from Adelaide to... to, to lead these people to give them hope and to bring them into place and think, God, what do I do? And, and in this week, I'm in absolute turmoil. And then I remembered that prophetic moment. <laughs> and I felt the Holy Spirit say, pursue, just like in 1 Samuel, verse 30, where David comes back and they, he's been raided. This is telling me I've got to finish. This is, you know, I just rebuke that right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm having a prophetic moment here. Hey, what's going on here? I felt like angels. I thought, wow, this is, I felt like angelic. Where'd you, how'd you get here? Where'd you sneak in? No, no, I'm, we'll blame Julie, but did you come through the back? Did you? Wow, you're a phantom. Anyway, cut a long story short. Do you know, I remembered that moment. I remember the presence of God. I remember the purpose. I had to make a decision and I made the call and said, we're going to pursue it. I had to go to the Supreme Court. Five months we were in the Supreme Court. Guess what? We won it. Because God was on it. And let me tell you, friends, there's some of you that are believing for things. Some of you are believing for your children. Some of you are believing for families. Some of you are believing for different things. Let me just very quickly give you these, these four things very, very quickly. Number one, hold on to your prophetic words. Hold on to your prophetic moments. They're an anchor. They're a rock. They're a fortress. Number two, pray them. Can I say this? Pray them. Declare them. Don't just let them sit there. Don't just let them sort of go, oh, that was nice. Oh, that made me feel good. Let me tell you, God gives them to you for a purpose. And some of you are going through storms right now. This country is going through a storm right now. I've never seen such confusion and doubt and division. But I want to tell you something. This is the great south land of the Holy Spirit. It's been sung. It's been declared. And I want to tell you something. God is building His church. 
We hold on to His promises, not what the circumstances are saying to us. You need to pray them. Number three, don't try and work them out. Don't don't try and work out your prophetic promises. I don't don't know how sometimes they work, but hold on. That's half our problem. Sometimes we try and work them out. And the third thing is believe and have faith. Believe and have faith. Look, let me just finish with this. Do you know... You know, prophetic moments can come through songs. There was three or four other reasons. I won't go there because we haven't got time. How many of you got the gist this morning? Have you got the gist? Some of them, you know, there are moments that there are moments when people pray for you. Do you know there are moments when people actually pray for you and they say certain things that they are not sometimes even aware, and something ignites in your spirit. And it gives you faith. When my, my son, when in 2005, my son, Michael, had a head injury. He had to have brain surgery. He was 15 years old. And I'll never forget the fear when I had to sign documentation before he could have his operation. Remember my staff coming in. And after he had the op, and I'm cutting this story short, after he had the operation, we're in his room and I'm thinking to myself, God, is this kid going to make it? Man, as a parent, I want to tell you there's nothing, nothing that rips at your heart. And this this guy from our church and his wife come in to visit him, which was unusual because we were in a church of 1,200 and you don't know everybody when there's a church of 1,200. And I'd seen him a few times and I was really quite surprised. In In a sense, I was shocked that he would come and see him. And he came to see him with his wife. And I said, look, thanks for coming. I, I didn't expect you to come. He says, well, actually, my son is just three rooms down the road. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, this is my son's sixth brain operation. I want to tell you, put some things into perspective. <laughs> All of a sudden, I go, what? And I'm feeling bad as a pastor. I thought, this is the first time I've ever heard about this. And I said, can you pray for him? Let me tell you, friends, get people to pray that have had their prophetic moments and that carry fire. They've been through the fire. He started to pray some stuff. And I tell you, he started to pray this prayer that after I didn't realize he was praying Psalm 121 verse 7. It says, God is able to keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Something happened in my spirit. He ignited faith. But you know, don't take lightly when people pray for you. Don't take it lightly. Let me finish with this. Songs, there are certain songs that carry a prophetic anointing. And God uses them to ignite faith in you. That's why I'm saying prophecy just doesn't come by word. It can come through prayer. It can come through encounters. It can come through dreams. I don't want to limit just His word, but it can come through songs. I remember in uh, 2008 when I was preparing to go to Bristol, we're about, I had a prophetic encounter when I was on holidays in England and, and, and the Holy Spirit, I had His presence and the purpose of God encounter me and we ended up moving to, to England to plant a church. But before we went in 2008, I remember hearing a song by the band Delirious. How many of you have heard of the band Delirious? It's an older band. And they had this song, they were singing this song, uh, which was called, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? by Martin Smith. Man, when I heard that song, 
something leapt in him. My faith was ignited. You know, for six months, I used that song to pray for Bristol. Every time I'd get into my prayer, I'd put on that song because that song has this line. It says, fling wide those heavenly gates, gates, prepare the way of the risen Lord. Let me tell you, I was prophesying that into the atmosphere. I was using that song. And I want to encourage you that sometimes, you know, you might be going through a storm. You might be going through a challenge. And maybe somebody hasn't prayed for you. Maybe you haven't had a direct prophetic word. But let me tell you, God can can touch you through music and songs. Now, some songs are reflective. Some songs are... But I tell you, there's some prophetic songs. You know, just recently, um, there's a song uh, which is All Hail King Jesus. Man, my wife, on a Sunday morning, usually what happens, we, we put on hymns. Uh, we, we just find that sometimes their biblical content seems to be a lot stronger than some of the songs. And I, and I want to be careful what I'm saying here. But she, was, she put on a, a hundred, the, top, the top 100 Christian songs. And all of a sudden, I'm in my bedroom and I hear, All Hail King Jesus. Let me tell you, I was like running out. And I said to my wife, what the heck is this song? I said, there's something about it. There's something when you lift up the name of Jesus. There's something when you lift up the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. We're going to end up with this song today, if it's all right. And and today I want to just encourage you as a community of believers, as a, as a family of God, that I don't know what you're walking through. I, I, I don't know whether you're believing for children. In 1995, I, I went to a camp where they had devotion you had to have half an hour devotion I was the speaker and I had half an hour and God I remember sitting under a tree with my Bible and out of Isaiah God spoke to me about my three children I still have that Bible and I've got my kids names and it's it's it has been so amazing because every line which is attached to one of my children describes my kids how many of you how can that be you know how many times my wife and I have declared those passages, those prophetic moments over our children. Let me tell you, God is able to do more than we can ask and imagine. Today, you might be praying because you're sick. You might have family members that are sick. Friends, let me tell you, I know, I thank God for the doctors, but I thank, for do- I thank God for Dr. Jesus, who's got the final word. And then when we hold on to his words, you know, maybe you're battling with finances. Maybe today, I actually felt this, I sensed this in my heart. There's a, there's a couple here and um, your finances are so tight that there's a possibility you could lose your house and you're really struggling. And if that's you today, I'd love to talk to you after the meeting because I believe there's a prophetic moment that God wants to give you to give you faith today. doesn't matter what you're battling through. Today, I wonder, uh, I just want to remind you, maybe you need to go home and pull out those prophetic moments or write them down. I don't know about you, I've got mine written down. And it's a journey because God doesn't just give you one, but He, as He guides you and leads you. I've had so many of them. So many of them are still to be fulfilled. And I thank God as I hold on to them and I do warfare. God is at work on my behalf, on your behalf. He's able to do more than we can ask and imagine. You know, there's things that have been prophesied over this house. I think as we hold on to them, we're going to see God do some amazing things. Hey, would you stand to your feet right now? Would you give God a big hand of praise today? Say, God, today we thank you. I don't know what you're...
believing for. I don't know what you're walking through today. I, I, I just sense today, God wants to remind you. God wants to remind you of His goodness, of His incredible grace. God wants to you to revisit. He wants you to revisit and even renew your connection of faith that He has given you through those prophetic moments. Come on, lift your hands up. And, and as we sing the song, I'm going to hand over to Geordie. Do you know, when we have communion, the reason that God tells us to have, it is a prophetic moment that happened 2,000 years ago on a cross. We have it every Sunday to remind us, to ignite faith in us that we are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are restored. And friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, you have that incredible opportunity. And I'd love to pray for you. If you today want to encounter Christ, I'd love for you to come out the front and we'll pray together. Come on, if you believe in God today, today, I even believe God's bringing to memory some of the things. Some of you have had declarations even as a child and your parents have told you about it. Today God says, come on, draw onto me, pull into me and see what I will do. Come on, lift your hands.